I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up? Afternoon pod. Afternoon pod. I had to get this one up a little bit earlier. That game yesterday was just too outrageous to hold this pod until Wednesday morning. We got to have this pod, give this pod a little bit more breathing room. It, it deserves it. It was, I mean, to have those two games back to back. Oh boy! What a treat it has been. <laughs> I still am in disbelief that they won that game. I mean, it was just—it felt the third quarter felt impossible, and then I don't know. I just after the first two games, I just thought, okay. Well, yeah, because well, in the third quarter, you're you're realizing, okay, if this is going to happen, it's going to have to occur during this like Nerlens Noel lineup. Yeah, <laughs> and you're just like writing that off, like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and then it did, and it did. Nerlens is actually all right yesterday. I thought everybody played well that that got into the game, which is a a, a nice change. From the yeah, first even though, I mean, legitimately, Ferg's three minutes were like the best three minutes he's ever had in that short amount of time. Like he fought over a screen on the yep. first play and I wouldn't say forced Harden into a tough shot since those are Harden shots, but he contested really well. And then right when it bounced out, he stole the ball from him. Yep. Just an amazing three minutes. It was. It was very nice. Give Gives Dort a little bit of rest, a little reprieve from uh, his foul trouble. Gets to sit on the bench. Uh you should go to theathletic.com right now and read this article by Seth Partnow. Have you read it yet? Uh, no, I think I had that one uh, saved. Oh, it's very good. So it's called The Analytical Look Around Throwing Dorts at Harden is Having a Ripple Effect. And it's all about Lugans Dorts' effect on James Harden. I'm not going to spoil the whole thing because it's very good, but it essentially talks about how it's not just that Lou Dort is bothering James Harden and his shot attempts. He's changing their entire offense. He talks about how the amount of ball screens have changed from games like one and two to three and four. And that's been a huge thing. So in game three, James Harden received 33 ball screens. In game four, 61 ball screens for James Harden. And the point of the ball screen is to get Dort off of James Harden. And they are clearly very driven to make that happen. And they've had some success with that, but also this Rockets offense is geared toward Harden ISOs. It's not geared toward setting screens and pick pick and roll and stuff like that. That's why they got rid of Capella, because they were kind of done with screening for Harden. And they've had to go back to it because of how good Dort is. And it has kind of thrown some things out of whack for this Houston team who just isn't used to that. Right. Yeah, no, that that 
those ball screens, it's such a simple thing because Harden does eventually get the ball, but it just takes work and it takes seconds off the clock for them to get into their offense. So even if it only takes them three to four seconds, just making them work that little bit extra, because we've always talked about with this style of Rockets basketball, you're you're trying to tire them out and that's a yep. very minor thing, but maybe it's helping a little bit. Yeah, it seems to be helping. You talk about tiring out. I mean, a question that Brett Dawson and I talked about last night was, to me, the Rockets look tired, like, especially their big guys. When we're talking about Covington, Jeff Green, and uh, P.J. Tucker, those guys look more tired than they did because the first two games, it felt like, oh, boy, we're never going to score on this team. The way they defend, the way they're they're just flying around everywhere. And... From the tip yesterday, that was not the case. That was not the Rockets' defense that we saw in games one and two. And it's just funny because Austin Rivers, after game two, said, I've never seen us defend like this before. <laughs> this has never happened before. And it wasn't sustainable up until this point. Now, can they recover and get back to it in game five and it bring the intensity? Because it's, I mean, it's, it's obviously not a must-win game, but it is certainly, if the Thunder get three games in a row, that is just a momentum just killer for the Rockets because now it's essentially a three-game series. And so I just wonder how the Rockets' defense looks after these games and after really, I mean, P.J. Tucker took a beating again in this game at the hands of many Thunder players, including Steven Adams. And so I just wonder what this Rockets defense will will look like because they have started to kind of wear down a little bit, in in my opinion. Yeah, and with Tucker, you saw in that game, he, and you, you saw it in game three, I think, as well, getting massaged on the sideline. He has something yeah. going on with his neck, and it was re-aggravated, not obviously seriously enough that he couldn't play, but something is happening with his neck and it was re-aggravated in that game four. And so that'll just be something interesting to watch going forward as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is definitely, I just don't know how PJ Tucker, I mean, he's 35 years old. I don't know how he continues. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. <laughs> I don't know how he continues to do what he's doing. Cause he's a six, what is he? Six foot five center battling against these giant guys. And I haven't, and Let's be, let me be a little bit more clear if I have, wasn't clear on Monday about this. I would not advocate for the Thunder to play small for all 48 minutes. One, they don't have the personnel to do that. Two, it's just not a good idea. What I was advocating for was exactly what happened in game four, was that you play big up until really the last few minutes of the game, and then in crunch time, you close small. And that's what they did, and that's what helped win them the game. And that's that's the only thing I would have wanted. I'm not. I would never say Steven needs to sit. He's done. He's useless. Would never say that. Uh, I I even don't think it's a bad idea to start the game small. But eventually, you're going to have to go to Steven. He's one of the best players on the team. You have to play him. He's one of the six, five or six best players on the team. You have to play him. Uh, so I just want to be clear. <laughs> Because I think some people think that I think that we shouldn't play any bigs whatsoever. You have to. Are play people Steven. coming at you? Oh man, some people are just coming at me today for just no reason. It's just really funny. I don't. You block I don't, them I don't get, all. I don't get into it. I'm not been debosing anybody today, but um, <laughs> you know, if people need to blow off some steam, just at Andrew K. Schleck, that's fine. Just whatever you need to do. Just know I'm probably I'm not going to get into it with you, but. <laughs> You need to uh, throw something out to the ether. Go right ahead. 
Uh, but if you write something really good, it might make it to the down to dunk group chat. That's true. Screenshot it and talk about it. It's true. Uh, there were there were a few that I had almost screenshotted and sent over today. So I, <laughs> I haven't had one that made the cut quite yet. So uh, maybe maybe you can upset me enough to screenshot and send to my friends. <laughs> You're just gonna get the meanest tweets. <laughs> oh, oh man. So. This, I mean, just just a spectacular game from Dennis Schroeder, right? I mean, 10 oh, of 16 yeah. from the field, 30 points, 3 assists. Just outrageous. He was so good. And you, you saw the clip of Chris Paul after the game for media availability. Where Chris uh, yeah. is just <laughs> screaming at him. Dennis is sitting there just trying to answer questions. And Chris is just pumped up. And it just screaming at him. It was so fun. It was. It's just so much fun to watch this team and the camaraderie that they have. It's. Uh, it's. Just, they're just a delight. They really are. And then that was followed up with. Uh, I mean, we we've talked about this for years now, but Fred Katz coming out with the uh, Schroeder the Schroeder joke. <laughs> I know. Fred I just that didn't expect the... it from Fred Katz. <laughs> I know. Fred sent that to to the Dream Team uh, text group, and we were all kind of laughing about it. I didn't think he was going to tweet it. Uh, it's one thing to just, as we know, just put it in a group chat, but to put it out there. And then Nate Duncan just holding on for dear life to his oh, Schroeder argument. I mean... Well, <sighs> it's... <laughs> Some I forget who said it. Um, he was either on Twitter or in our group chat. But the idea that like, what happens if they do get a first round pick for Dennis Schroeder in the off season? I mean, that's the final nail in the coffin for that argument about trading for Schroeder or waving stretch. If yeah. They get two years out of Schroeder and then get a first round pick. Which, by the way, that pick that we sent is it really a first round pick? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. So yeah, it's you know. It's okay to be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. Probably going to say some wrong things today. So, I don't I don't understand. He and he's like you have to evaluate it at the time of the trade. Got it's got to be at the time of the trade. And I still hate it because <laughs> <laughs> what? What are you talking about, man? Dennis Schroeder's obviously been very good for this team. Very good. And yeah, did he was he awesome last year? No. But he's improved a lot. Which ups his value, which could render a nice return for the Thunder if they do indeed trade him. And I agree with Nate in some ways in that like, I do tend to favor process-based analysis over results-based analysis. Yeah. But with trades, like you can do both. Like Some trades have just turned out wildly different than we thought or initially. I mean, look at the Paul George with for Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Like, compare how that was... Uh, talked about process-wise from the Pacers perspective to where it was talked about a year ago and then to where it's talked about now. Like, it's just, these trades are constantly changing and it's okay to, like, reevaluate them. Yeah. I I tend to to see trades more as, let's see what this looks like as we back away from it some. Because right. I think evaluations at the time of trades is often a terrible way to evaluate a trade. Well, right. it's really hard because you don't have all the information. Yeah. Um, like, I, I think it was you guys who were talking about the TJ Warren trade to the Pacers, where they basically just salary dumped him. Mm-hmm. And th- that was, across the board, declared a bad trade, which it very well may be. But we don't 
really know. Like there could be stuff that we just don't know mm-hmm. from the Phoenix Sun side that makes that trade a little bit more sensical. Sensible? Sensical. The sensical word? <laughs> I don't know. I know what you uh, mean though. <laughs> but yeah, so like it is tough. I think it's fun to judge trades right out the gate. And we should do it. Oh yeah, it's very fun. But you, ha- well, you but you have, have to, to call it you don't that. Know everything. Yeah, acknowledge that it's just for fun, and that's not. This isn't like I don't mean, you know. Like he's trying to bank his career on it. But here's the deal: like no one gives a crap, man. Like no one cares. <laughs> don't there's act some, like there's some there's some dunked on fan who's taking notes for every opinion he's <laughs> meticulously writing it all down. Oh, what a sad, sad life that must be. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, Schroeder was great. He was great. Shout out to Fred Katz for throwing that out there too. It's good stuff. Uh, Chris Paul again just had kind of just your your run of the mill Chris Paul game that happens in the 2019-2020 season, right? He was pretty good up until the last few minutes of the game. Then he just kind of took over. He was hitting big time shots, making the right plays. I thought that he was spectacular. Uh. I thought uh, Shagilis Alexander had a had a decent game. He was great on the boards, twelve boards for the game, which I believe, yeah, that's a yeah, he had the most rebounds in the game, which which is just a great thing for him to be so versatile and to get in there and, and grab boards. I mean, you got all these young guys contributing on such a high level for the Thunder, is and this is one reason why I think that people thought the Thunder wouldn't be very good this year because they knew that there would be a lot of young guys getting minutes here, but it's unusual that you have a second year player in SGA an undrafted rookie in Dort. And then Darius Baisley off the bench who all played significant minutes and all contributed positively to this team. It's just highly unusual to even have one, honestly, just have one guy that can contribute like that. But to have three is, uh, is really something. And going back to SGA's bounds, like that's just another reason why you should feel comfortable about that small ball lineup. Yeah. Because they do have people who are, are willing to get in there um, and, and get those bounds. And SGA is kind of a guy that you just don't think about as a big rebounder. But obviously we know – I mean, he had the – what was this crazy stat line he had earlier this season? Yeah, the Didn't 2020 he? triple-double. Yeah. So, like – he, he, he and I, I don't feel like the general public is aware of that skill with SGA. Mm-hmm. It is very rarely talked about. But going forward, having a guard like that who can get boards is huge, as we saw for a decade with Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, it's helpful. And just having multiple players that can grab and go. There's really it's it's Stephen Adams and it's Nerlens Noel, and those are the only players that when they get the rebound, they're looking for an outlet. Gallo gets it, he's going. Chris Paul, obviously going. Shea, he's going. Dort, he's going. Baisley's going. Schroeder's going. Which is great because you want to put as much pressure on that Rockets defense as you can. And you see with Baisley, I mean, I don't know how many out of five of his defensive boards that he pushed the ball, but it felt like all of them, which is very helpful to the offense and gets them unique opportunities and gets him unique opportunities. I think it's great. And uh, you mentioned this in our Periscope video afterwards. So if you haven't had a chance to tune in for that, we were doing these short Periscopes after the games uh, just on Twitter. So you can go and check that out. Uh, you can check it out now, too, if you would like. That would mean a lot to us. But uh, Jamon Green giving Darius Baisley a shout out on Twitter. 
I know. It's like every Thunder Young guy. Like, SGA is old news. I know. You know, now it's all about (laughs) Dort and Bays. Bays has been good. I I think People are trying to get in... They're trying to get in early on these bandwagons. I know. They really are. It's very. It feels very strange. Uh, yeah, Dort has gotten a ton of shine. SGA has obviously gotten a ton of shine throughout the year. But I'm glad that Jeremiah Green did that because Baisley's played really well. And I think it's easy, he's one of the easy guys to overshadow a little bit. But he shot the ball well. He looks comfortable out there. He's playing solid defense. And he's really the only guy on the team that has that length and athleticism to be out on the perimeter and to guard the rim and he's a really nice rebounder as well so it's it's just good to to see him play like that and he did get more minutes in this game I was kind of clamoring for that in the last pod but he ended up getting 19 minutes in this game to New Orleans Wells 15 which I think is good and I think they even should push that a little bit more in the next game because I just think that having a guy that can space out a little bit and then also put pressure on the defense like we discussed I think is is important. And when you factor in his background, like in terms of his age, the fact that he didn't go to college yeah. and wasn't playing college basketball a year ago, and the fact that he is contributing like this on a playoff team, mm-hmm. it it truly is amazing. Like that it just is. doesn't happen. I know. You've been like one of the big pushers of like rookies suck in the playoffs. <laughs> Anytime that I get excited <laughs> about a young guy in the playoffs, you're like, whoa, whoa, Andrew, young guys and, suck in the playoffs. And who knows? Maybe because that has been generally true, but maybe this bubble is just different because the added impact of playing in front of a huge playoff crowd, I have to assume, has some additional effect on people who have never experienced that before. Mm -hmm. But Bayes and Dort, I mean, they were able to play some games in the bubble, get used to it. And there's, in terms of like what the players are experiencing, it doesn't look like there's a huge difference between the regular season bubble games and the playoff bubble games. So it probably is really comfortable for them at this point. And also you have the whole, the factor of they essentially got an off season already. And so this is like year two for these guys. And for a guy like Luka Doncic, I mean, people are talking about he and Donovan Mitchell, who have both been unbelievable in these playoffs. One, like they, they got a tremendous amount of rest leading up to this. And then, they got to improve over that over that long span of time between the the stoppage and then the the start of the regular season again, and so it does just present these unusual circumstances for these young players who are. I mean, Dort is is didn't really even he didn't play a whole season. I mean, when I talked to him before the turn of the year, he was he hadn't played a game for the Thunder. He was still with the G League team. I interviewed him at the Blue Practice Facility. And he was just hopeful that he get to play for the Thunder, which is just the ascension of Lou Dort is is really crazy to think about from where he was at Arizona State as a guy that was really highly touted, uh, didn't get drafted, was with the blue, and now he's starting and is on like the front page of these major news sites because of what he's doing to James Harden. It's just something I don't think anyone could have predicted. And he's, since Andre went down, the Thunder have been looking for a guy like this. And who would have thought it would be an undrafted guy, which it, which is good. And then we'll, we can talk a little bit about the Sixers and the process and whatnot, but it's nice to get guys like this outside of what will be like the eventual process for OKC. Yeah, and, and the only point I'd make is I have seen people like calling him Dre 2.0, which obviously is because of his defense but one of the big differences 
going back to what it was like with Dre back in those old playoffs, is that one, Dort is making and taking a lot more threes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I mean, he's not a great three-point shooter. I think he was 0 for 6 in game three, but he's still taking those shots, and he's making enough where it doesn't become a huge hindrance to the offense. And then the other thing is that he's a much better free throw shooter. And yeah. he is willing to drive probably as a result of that and get fouled. And when he goes to the lines, you're not thinking, okay, well, here's a O of two trip coming up. Right. Um, and, and that just, those two added factors make him such a better fit for this newer version of the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think even moving forward, I mean, he's shooting 21% from three in the playoffs. By the way, that's bad. That's bad. But he's taking them. He is taking them. You have to. You have to give him credit. Like his confidence is not waning. Which, let's let's see. Let's see what I'm. I'm still a little wait and see on where his confidence goes with his shot. Because if you shoot 21 percent for two years straight, are you still just going to be uber confident? I just don't. I don't know. And so I just like to see more. But I also want to recognize the fact that we just can't get back to a place where we don't like players like this because there was a time where Dre became a little bit stale and we forgot how talented he is because it's just much easier to see the talent that puts the ball in the basket. And when we didn't know really what we had in Dre until it was gone. And then we're like, Oh, okay. Josh Eustace can't do this. So we have to go get Corey Brewer and then Corey Brewer made a much bigger impact than Josh Eustace did, and we were kind of excited about that. But at the end of the day, he couldn't be the glue that held the defense together. And Lou Dort's the kind of player that can hold your, a defense together along with another big. And so we just can't get back into a place as a fan base, as a podcast, as whatever – that doesn't appreciate the things that these type of players do because they are valuable. I mean, you see, I mean, he's probably more comparable to Marcus Smart than he is to Dre just because it's tenacity. It's he's using his, his thickness against the player. He's bodying up these guys. Both players have decent length, but they're not, they're not Dre where you're six foot eight with crazy long arms they're they're just stout guys that are just very intelligent, know how to move with guys, are just going to stick with guys. And so, and he's also like Marcus in that he will shoot it. And Marcus Smart took a long time to become a good shooter, and then hopefully Dort can become one of those too. But still, I think that, uh, I think we just can't forget the impact that these guys have because without him in game one, James Harden was dominant. And then once he once he came in, it changed things, and I just we just can't be forgetful of that. Yeah, and it obviously Harden's still putting up numbers, um, at least in Game Four he did. Um, but yeah, it's it's just all about making it harder for him because yeah. the game is really easy for superstars like James Harden. They can very yeah. easily get to like forty points, and it just looks like nothing. In the same way that it was like that with Kevin Durant. Um, so you just have to make it a little bit more difficult. You have to make them try. <laughs> That's yeah. all? Yeah. You have to make them try to push over the Purell stand as well. Man. What'd you think? Harden was mad and he should be mad. He should be. That was great. It was great to see him push that Purell over. They had a great shot to go up 3-0 or 3-1. Yeah. Now we got a tie game. Tie. Woo! I would have just never thought that we... 
they would tie the series up. Oh, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling like that playoff nervousness about game five. See, I I do too. Uh but it's it's and it would be obviously a huge swing if the Thunder won. But even if they lose, like we're still going to Game Six, so I I just feel like uh, we're we're good for like four days. Yeah, like I'm just excited no matter what happens, especially because the way I've seen this team play now in two straight games, I have less of a concern that they're going to come out and get blown out. Yeah. I think that no matter what happens, it's going to be a tight game, and obviously the big X factor there is Russ coming back and how does that change everything. And we that still hasn't been confirmed, by the way. Mike D'Antoni had a chance to confirm it, and he did not. Yeah, he said we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what will happen with Russ. It feels like he should come back. And this is the so before the series started, you know, you talk to people that cover the Rockets, and they say things like, "Yeah, you know, if it's a if it's a close, if it's a close series, then you know they may try to rush." Russ back, you know, game five or game six. I'm like, oh boy, that's just not the situation that you want with Russell, right? Yeah, you, you you do not want to rush him back. I I yeah, you don't want to. And should we just br- talk about the Ben DeBose thing real quick? Because I do want yeah. to give. <laughs> his Hold on, just point one second. Let me, let me pull the question up that we have. Hold on, before we get to the Ben DeBose question, let's pause for a word from our sponsors. Live sports are back. It's very possible that we may see a playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. And that's why partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure that your Nuggets are safe as possible when they, when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and safe skin technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually release their Shears 2.0 nail kit with the perfect add-on, their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. The Perfect Package 3.0 with the new and improved lawnmower, waterproof, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and the travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with a crop preserver and the crop reviver. Use both. Both are great. The crop preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and the crop reviver is a spray-on toner. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. You want Chinese? They want pizza. And someone is craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash, like the Mule or the Press. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. 
open the DoorDash app and choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code THUNDER. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code THUNDER. Don't forget, that's code THUNDER for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Okay, Alex, we got some questions here. If you are a member of The Athletic, you can ask us some questions on the previous podcast. We'll answer them on the next pod. I think that I'll be moving, pushing a little bit less Twitter, a little bit more on The Athletic app. So if you don't have The Athletic app, you can download it in the App Store. Then you can also go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk to get 40% off an annual subscription. It's very inexpensive. Uh, it's great coverage of really all all the teams, all the leagues are there. So if you're a sports fan, you should be subscribed anyways. But then this also gives you an added benefit of uh, listening to our show. So this question, it comes from Philip N. And he asks, can you give us a recap of the Devo- DeBose versus Debbie Buckets drama? Is this the end of Deborah Rockets? <sighs> okay. First of all, I, w- I go to a lot of Rockets Twitter pages after games like that just to see what they're talking about. <laughs> what kind of stuff are they talking about? What are they what are they blaming or who are they mad at? You saw a lot of stuff about the refs because there was a big free throw discrepancy. You saw some stuff about, hey, this is what we've all been saying. If you don't um, adjust your offense in some way and you're only going to be shooting threes and layups, at some point that's going to get stale. Can you mix it up a little bit? Those are ones that I expected to see. The one I just didn't expect to see was on Ben DeBose's page. And he, I found it because he was actually in a back and forth with a Rockets fan who had <laughs> who had said that it was a conspiracy theory, which is this idea that the Rockets, that like Russ could be playing right now. Mm-hmm. He could have been playing in all or at least most of these games. And they're just choosing to sit him because... They wanted to see, like, well, if we get up, then we just don't have to play them. And all I did was, first of all, I screenshotted a tweet because I didn't retweet it because I knew if I retweeted it, Ben would instantly block me, which, by the way, is perfectly fine. If you have a big account and you want to block people who are being idiots, fine. Not a big deal. (laughs) But if you do that, just know that some really smart people, some smart idiots, are going to screenshot your tweets. If, yep. if they if they if they want to tell a little joke, so anyways, I saw that Rockets fan call it a conspiracy theory. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. So I just I basically just shared the tweet and shared that thought that this was a conspiracy theory. Ben got very mad at me. Found <laughs> found the tweet somehow. Was alerted to it. And yeah, somebody uh, added him underneath your your tweet. Yeah, and then and tried to engage me in like a conversation, say that I you know if I'm going to mock someone, I should at least retweet them or tag them so they're allowed to defend themselves and i basically just told him what i told you i I said listen you would have blocked me if i had done it this is the only way i can continue reading your tweets and cracking dumb jokes and he didn't like that he called that personal and mean 
And I, guess what? Now I'm blocked. So now I can't see his tweets. Which again, oh, fine to block me. He could have just, right when he saw it, he could have just blocked it. It's not like we're going to have a productive conversation about this. My name is Deborah Beans. I'm not on Twitter for like serious engagement with Rockets fans. You know? My name is Deborah Beans. It's all a big joke. I'm not trying to be that serious on Twitter. Anyways, so there, his argument or his theory, because this injury did not happen during the Spurs game. He had been struggling with this injury or had or yep. had this injury before the Spurs game. He comes back for the Spurs game, which is largely seen as a meaningless game. It didn't really affect the seating in any way. And then after that game, he has the MRI, which shows mm-hmm. something, which shows an injury. And, and yet the team said that the injury was not aggravated or re-aggravated in the Spurs game. So from his perspective, well, that means that Russ either had this injury the whole time, you played him in a game that he shouldn't have been playing in, and he did re-aggravate it, and you're not telling us that because that's embarrassing. <laughs> or, I, I I don't know what the I guess he you just played him with the injury, um, and you didn't necessarily re-aggravate it, but you played him with the injury, So clear, and he was good in the Spurs game. I mean, he was fine. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook. So then why can't he just play in the playoffs? So it's not like really a conspiracy theory. It was a joke, okay? It was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't personal, okay? I l- Listen, I would never – I don't want to like ever make fun of the way someone looks yeah. or like make fun of their family or anything like that, you know? But if we're just – especially with other teams' fan bases, I feel like we should be able to rib each other a little bit and all know that it's all just a, kind of a joke. Like we're just having some fun, you know? Like I told you, if someone – in fact, if someone ever – screenshotted you Andrew mm-hmm. and and put it up on their Twitter and said look at this look at these dumb Thunder fans look at these yeah. dumb idiots we would think that is the funniest thing in the world <laughs> and we would share it in our group chat especially if it was a fan of another team yeah that would just be the greatest I would I'd love be a little, that I'd be a little honored honestly yeah because you have to kind of reach a certain level for people to start like trolling you or going out of their way to just like mess with you a little bit, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, no, it's Ben's it's, like and it's a all, big it's all in good fun. Yeah, Ben's a big writer. He's got a big account and listen, I knew I was gonna get blocked. I didn't want to get blocked. I flew too close to the sun, Andrew. <laughs> to me, like if you're going after somebody's takes on basketball, like whatever. It's it's when, like you said, if you're going after somebody for how they look or talking about their family or talking about whatever, then like, yeah, like those people shouldn't, you shouldn't be on Twitter. You, you've missed the point of Twitter, but if you're going after somebody's take, I mean, I've had bad takes, even my good takes, people go come after them. So it's just like, whatever, you know, it's all, it's all in good fun. We're all just trying to enjoy basketball. Honestly, I kind of missed getting ribbed on Twitter a little bit. To be honest, just because it feels normal now, you know, it's like a sense of normalcy to to pull up my mentions and see somebody talking about how uh, I contradict myself in in the same podcast and stuff like that. So it's it's good. It's all in good fun to me. And I actually like enjoy getting into it with other Thunder fans because I think those are the conversations that are actually worth having on yeah. Twitter. Like when yeah. you're actually engaging with other other Thunder fans, even if you're like disagreeing strongly, to talk about the team that you both enjoy. Mm-hmm. Because those are really interesting, but like I have zero interest in having like a real conversation with fans from other teams. Mm-hmm. Like I just I just want us to all exist in our little bubble and just be <laughs> taking shots at each other 
back and forth. I'm not interested in hanging out with Rockets fans. I'm sorry. Well, I have a feeling that we're going to have some some debates in the future because even just the slight mention of tanking on our show over the last oh, week yeah. has sparked just some conversations in the mentions. I haven't been getting into them because I'm just I'm I'm bracing myself for those moments. I'm I'm going to seize those moments as they come, but it's not time yet. It's not time yet. And when those happen, cuz I feel like you and you and me, you and eyes, you and minds. Oh gosh. <laughs> you and minds. Our yeah. opinions on tanking are pretty well known at this point. Yeah. And uh so if someone out there strongly disagrees with tanking, like come at me. If you're a Thunder fan, I'll, yeah. I'll enjoy it. Yeah. It's That'll be uh, fun. It's it's going to be a, I feel like it's going to be an all out war. There will be it's, blood when it comes to tanking. It's a good conversation to have because there really isn't a like perfect example either way. Right. You know, you can't just like even the Sixers aren't a really good example of tanking. The Spurs aren't really a good example of tanking. Mm. Honestly, the Thunder probably are the best example of like true tanking. Yeah. Um but it it's just a great debate because it is relatively divided. It I, is. I, I, I mean, there are NBA people that I really do like and respect their takes who are kind of against the idea of tanking. Oh, um, yeah. and in fact, there was a new, not like a study, but a new article that came out from someone, and I can't remember the name, and I apologize, but it was kind of going over how the lottery odds changing sh- have or should change the conversation about tanking. Um, and so it was kind of like a middle approach to this whole debate. And so I'm excited to have those conversations in the future. Yeah. We, I have a, a strong feeling that we'll have lots of those con- conversations coming up. Yeah. Uh, let's go to some more questions from the Athletic app. These are people that have logged into the Athletic app. They are subscribers and they are asking us questions on our previous podcast. So uh, this one is from at Raj P. Will the down to door shirts ever be available again? Please help us who made the terrible mistake of not getting them the first time around. I've got bad news. They're they're not coming back. There are extenuating circumstances that have led to these uh, shirts being discontinued. But uh, that's as far as I'll go into that. But uh, they will not be returning, which is is certainly a shame. Uh, next question. Nice shirts. I know. They are nice shirts. Jesse H. asks, This week, Andrew described listening to Michael Cage as oddly comforting. <laughs> uh, who are your top broadcasters to listen to and top potential broadcasters you'd like to listen to in the future? This question is brought to you by the, the dream I had where I was in the NBA and then Boban interviewed me post-game. He was great. Wow. Too many turnovers, though. What a great dream. Nice dream, uh, man. So for me, I'm I'm very open with uh, play-by-play guys. I mean, yeah. there's there's not many play-by-play guys that I don't either just enjoy or not really have a strong opinion on. Yeah. Um, like Ian Eagle, great. There's a bunch yeah, of them. Yeah, Eagle's great. Most yeah. of them are very good. Mike Breen, Kevin yeah, Glabro, awesome. Kevin Harlan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll enjoy all those guys. Um, Gus Johnson, who doesn't do the NBA, but it'd be fun if he did like him too mm-hmm. uh so it's really about the color guys and i gotta say stan van is has like shot to the top of my list he's very good i i really enjoy stan van gundy um doris burke really good 
Uh, and then there's just like a lot, honestly, it's the X players. I think it's really tough to be an X player and be really good. Yeah. Is, is there an X player? Like who's your favorite X player? I mean, honestly, like Antonio Daniels is like one of my favorite yeah. X players. I mean, he's very good. Still just a travesty that the Thunder let him go. I know. Cause I'm confident he would have stayed had he been offered that job. But, um, just a shame because he's very good and I'm glad he gets to go gets to go do that with the pelicans but uh uh i'm i miss getting to hear his analysis because i think he's very good i honestly i mean when he first came out i loved chris weber <laughs> like did you back at the start yeah and i don't know if something's dramatically changed on, on his side or if it was just me but yeah i used to really like chris weber yeah, he's not just not very good anymore. yeah i don't mind i don't think reggie miller is very good but i don't mind him just because he brings good energy that is true and so I don't mind as, a, as opposed to Reggie. Jeff Van Gundy, who does not bring good energy. Oh no, such negative energy. And uh, Chris Eeyore. Weber, the reason I don't like him is because he just can be like too flat. Yeah, I just, I just don't, I don't, I don't like the way he comes across on the broadcast. But yeah, that's a good list. That's a good list of of people. But yeah, Cage. I mean, Cage is just a delightful person, and so just knowing that. And then he's pretty delightful on the broadcast. He doesn't always say the right things, but you know he's, he's doing I, the I best he can. I definitely think he has um, he has more personality than Grant Long did. Oh yeah, he he his little uh, tangents. I mean, it's, you're not always learning something, but you're just you're just enjoying them. It's just some <laughs> a fun banter, you know. It is. Yeah, you know he's just fun. He's just fun. That's all, and it's. At, and I love when he goes on a tangent and you can tell he didn't like, he wasn't planning on doing that tangent. It's like a true tangent. <laughs> you're, you're just along for the ride. You know, you don't know where he's going. <laughs> you're just going to have some fun. It's so true. It's so true. Uh, I'm trying to find my tweet to where something that he said, was. Oh yeah. Here's what he said. So to end the third quarter, the thunder ended up only being down by one at the end of the third, which felt like a miracle. And his, his sign off to the commercial was sometimes you have to play this game like a riverboat gambler. <laughs> All right, man, that's great. I don't know what that means, but you know what? I like it and it makes me feel good on the inside. And so I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to keep rolling with you. <laughs> I mean, there is, I, you know, everyone that we follow on Twitter, like of the national media people, they would fall into kind of like smart NBA guys. Mm-hmm. And so obviously they're going to be predisposed to looking or, or wanting a certain type of announcer. You know, they want yes. someone who they're really going to learn something from. But I think on the local level, it is sometimes nice just to focus more on personality and someone who your fans just kind of like as a human being. Yeah. Like, that's okay. Like, it, not everything has to be Nate and Danny, which nice. actually, I, I, I listened to some of their influencer streams and they were good. And I could see for a certain person who was seeking out that detail of information during a game how it would be really enjoyable mm-hmm. but, but sometimes actually most of the time i just kind of want to sit back and just and let it try to wash over me you know i don't want to think too much about what the announcers are saying exactly sometimes i think we forget like this is supposed to be like a fun game and like the over analysis of the nba can just be it can just make it not fun Right, and so yeah. like, even like inside the NBA, I used to not really enjoy that show that much. Maybe like four or five years ago, but now I'm like, this is the greatest show. This is just so much fun, 
And is their analysis good? Not really. But is it a fun show to watch? Does it make the game more fun? 100%. And so I think analysis is great. And you can there's some analysts that are much better than others and you're, they're going to say dumb stuff. But at the end of the day, who cares? Like it's, As long as it, the, it makes the game more fun, then I'm all for it. Let's just make the NBA fun. Let's just have fun. It's the same reason why the, you know, Basketball Jones starters, no dunks guys are so exactly. good. Exactly. Exactly. It's great. It feels like you're hanging out with friends. And I don't know if I would say it feels like I'm hanging out with a friend with Michael Cage, but it feels like I'm hanging out with someone I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one of my friend's uncles or something. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who, who's, who's really talkative. <laughs> uh, okay, any thoughts or predictions for game five? Ooh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous to even say that to you. Whew. I mean, I do think if you're going to put money on it, you would put money on Russ coming back. Whether, whether you be- believe the idea that the that he hasn't really been that injured and could have been playing in any of these games yeah. or if you just think that he did have a pretty serious injury and he's just recovered because it's can been i just about stop the you right there i just what? need to stop you if russell westbrook is healthy there is no way that he's not playing there is just no absolutely no way that russ isn't playing i'm sorry <laughs> russ is not going to be like yeah we'll all sit out you guys think it'd be good to sit out no there's no way if a doctor is saying no you can't go he says, fine. If they say, yeah, you're good to go. And Mike D'Antoni's like, yeah, let's just try something. No, there's there's zero chance of that. I'm sorry. There's just no way that Russ would go for that. There's yeah, because that's, that's a dumb idea. The idea of that means that you don't know Russell and that you don't understand <laughs> the kind of person that he is. And, just, well, and what they would stupid. say is, well, this is what happened during the regular season. Like for the first time in his career, Westbrook was willing to sit out. Which is true, but like this is the playoffs, and yeah. it's a very important playoffs for the future of Russell Westbrook. Like in terms of his legacy, this this year, next year, and maybe the year after that. Like those are probably like the last prime playoffs of his career. Yeah, and so the idea that he would willingly sit out when he thinks he can go, yeah, it is hard to buy into. But I'm tr- yeah. I'm trying to be uh, nice. <laughs> not mean well russ would never buy into the idea that he wouldn't be helpful to a team never <laughs> true never, and, and ever if he does come back you know the and honestly maybe this is a part of it the rockets are like we don't want to bring him back until we can play him 100 percent. like until yeah. we can play him 43 minutes which is what james harden played in the last game mm-hmm. because if you're bringing him back and in your mind you're like I really don't feel good about playing him more than like 20 to 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then you don't bring him back. Yeah. Like you need, you need full rush. You can't go half rush. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, I think he's going to be back. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and because of that, I have no idea what to expect. I know. Man. It could go either way. That's the only real scenario where I could see the rockets just like running the thunder out of the building. If mm-hmm. like Russ comes back and it just clicks instantly and we don't really have a good answer for Russ because let's say Russ is back and he's 100%. Mm-hmm. Who do you put him who do you put on him? Cuz I I think we'd all agree that Dort's probably the best defender one on one. Yeah, he but is. But you probably want him on Harden. I don't think they would do the Adams on Westbrook thing even though it makes sense. To me that's the only thing that makes sense. See, I don't think that's going to happen so that now I'm scared. Okay. Chris Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Chris Chris is good. It's just asking a lot. 
for a guy who often doesn't like really want to show up until the fourth quarter. Right. Yeah, it is. But I think that's probably, that's probably it. I would guess. Yeah. So it's going to be highly interesting. And so the, if he he does does come come back, back. things I'm looking for, how many threes does Russ take? How good does Russ look in terms of his explosion and getting to Mm -hmm. the basket? Mm -hmm. And then as with every Rockets game, are they hitting their shots? Which ultimately is the only thing that. Oh, actually, it doesn't matter anymore, Andrew. It doesn't matter anymore. They can make all the shots they want. They can shoot eighty percent. I can still hold out hope now that we'll win. That's true. Oh, Jesse S got in a question before we go. He says, "Are the Rockets fans fine, concerned, or angry about the following? The refs are they fine, concerned, or angry about the refs? They were angry about the refs, which is something that I." I mean, I guess I should have seen it coming because most fan bases do that after a loss where there's a free throw discrepancy. Mm-hmm. But I thought, especially in that game, like OKC was the much more aggressive team in terms of trying to get to the basket. Like if, you sh- if you're shooting 63s per game, like how many trips to the line are you really expecting? Yeah. How are you going to get fouled? So yeah. I think that's kind of ridiculous. Plus they got the, the makeup call on Eric Gordon from game three. They did. At, at the very end of the game and I thought that was I thought that was going to be the thing that screwed us. Yeah. So mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> okay. Are next. they fine, concerned or angry about Mike D'Antoni? They are. They are angry. A lot of Rockets fans are like ready for him to be gone. Um and I'm I'm interested in this idea that D'Antoni just can't adjust or the, or that the Houston Rockets as an organization can't adjust. They have so back themselves into this corner of this idea of threes and layups that mm-hmm. they are completely unwilling to mix it up at any point, even when it's in the playoffs and even when it just seems like things are getting a little stale. I, w- I would listen to a Houston Rockets fan podcast kind of breaking that whole issue down because I do think it's really interesting. Yeah. Because obviously this system that they've set up going back a few years now works exceptionally well in the regular season. Yeah. But in the playoffs, we have seen things like what happened in game four happen before where they're hitting all their shots and then all of a sudden there's a drought. And what do you do when there's a drought? Do you just keep shooting or do you try <laughs> anything else? They keep shooting. They keep That's shooting. what happens. Yeah. Uh, what, are they angry, concerned, or fine with Russ's status? <sighs> oh, I can't answer that, Andrew. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how widespread this this idea is. I think they're they've got to be at least concerned, right? I don't know. If he's been healthy this whole time, then they shouldn't Which be is, concerned. That's BS. Just, he can he can play in game true. five. He's going to be a hundred percent. Apparently, it hasn't been that bad. He could have played in game four. He could have played in game three. Yeah, there's just no way that's true. Uh, and then finally, with James Harden, what are their feelings on James Harden? Uh, I mean, that's going to be the most interesting thing if somehow the Thunder pull this out and win in six yeah. or seven. What is the Houston fan base's reaction going to be to Harden, which obviously is dependent on how he plays in these next two or three games. Um, but I will tell you, like early returns is like they're already turning on him. And I feel like this happens every playoff. Yeah. But this idea, and, and I was shocked when I saw that tweet from Red94 where he mm-hmm. came out and he said, you know, this is what has happened with Harden. This is the reason they brought in CP3. This is the reason they brought in Russ because they don't believe that Harden can close 
out a series like this or close out games like this consistently enough or at a high level enough. And it seems like kind of a crazy thing to say because pretty much everyone agrees that James Harden is a top five player in this league. Yeah. But the idea that even some Rockets fans are coming around to the idea that maybe his talents have not been uh, best exemplified in the playoffs and perhaps there are other similar level of stars or even below his level of stars that might be a better fit in those particular moments. That's really interesting to me. Yeah. I'll tell you this, Rockets fans, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Hey. So be careful what you wish for. Let's see how many more cliches I can fit into this. Um, it's just, I don't know. I don't, I just, I get the frustration. I get it. I just love being on the other side of it. It's very fun. Very fun being on the other side of these two games <laughs> and not being just killed by James Harden. And Russ is supposed to mitigate this somehow. And if he's healthy, can he? Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our show. You can follow me on Twitter, Andrew K. Schlack. Follow Alex on Twitter at Al Baby Cakes. Make sure that you leave us an Apple Podcast five-star review. You can go to the Apple Podcast app. It's purple. It's on your iPhone. You just click on it, search down to dunk, hit five stars. Very simple. You can also make sure you stop in and read Luke's five-star iTunes review for our show. It's very fun. Uh, also, make sure if you want to get questions in on the Wednesday show, make sure you're a subscriber to The Athletic and have the app on your phone. You can get 40% off an annual subscription by going to theathletic.com slash down to dunk. You can also read Seth Partnow's piece that is very, very good about Lou Dort. You can read Eric Horn there. You can also read Fred Katz there, who got a shout out about him poking the bear of Nate Duncan. I uh, hope you guys have just a wonderful day. Hope you guys enjoy the time in between games and enjoy game five. And we'll talk to you guys again on Friday.